Welcome to Nifty Business. I'm your host, Taj, or digitally known as Tropic Vibes. Here, we explore NFTs and highlight the people that are shaping the world of Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. Today, we're going to talk about NFT verbiage. In this space, there is a lot of confusion about some of these words. There's a steep learning curve as you're getting into this. So even if you're someone who's coming from the world of crypto, which is its own language in itself... Getting into this NFT space, maybe you are not one who ever traded Bitcoin, Ethereum, or any of those coins, but you are now into this NFT space and you're hearing a lot of words that are just confusing you, whether it be on Twitter or Discord or just on YouTube or wherever else. We're just going to go over some of these words in the nifty space and it should help you to understand what people are talking about in this community a little bit better. So first and foremost, we're going to say nifty. Nifty is just a abbreviation for, or not really an abbreviation. It's actually turning NFT, which is an acronym, into a word that we use uh, regularly, maybe more so in the past, you know, something being neat and cool. Well, the NFT space is definitely neat and cool. And the word nifty is just a play on the word NFT or the acronym NFT and turning it into a word. So if you hear that, it's really just referring to NFTs. And NFT, when I first heard this term, I was very confused. I actually heard about it on Clubhouse. I was seeing it as room titles and I thought it had to do something with like, you know, uh, NS. FW, which is not safe for work. I thought it was something like some kind of code acronym, meaning don't go into this room if you're not in a private space. But NFTs has nothing to do with that. What it is, is non-fungible tokens. To understand what that means, you first have to break down and understand the word fungible. Fungible is something that's just not unique. For example, a US dollar or a penny or whatever it is, really, if somebody wants a dollar, it doesn't matter which dollar it is. There might be some sentimental value attached to one specific dollar, maybe a lucky dollar or something, but at that point it becomes non-fungible. But fungible, it doesn't matter if it's this dollar, that dollar, it doesn't matter. I'll just accept it for, if I'm selling something for a dollar, I'll take it. A Bitcoin, it really does not matter because it is fungible, meaning it's it's irreplaceable. It is can be exchanged for another one and it makes no difference. Now, the opposite of that is non-fungible, which is something that is unique. So each of these NFTs, these non-fungible tokens, uh, which uh, go into what a token is, is unique to itself. It can be tracked, it can be verified, and it, it is unique. It has a unique property. And the best way I could possibly think of this is thinking of a piece of art, right? So when the artist draws the original or paints the original, that has a value to it, right? People will pay millions or infinite amounts of money for a work of art. Now, if you photocopy that or take a photo of it and reproduce it and print it out and send it out a million times, well, yeah, sure, it looks the same, but it is not quite the same. So that's what the fungibility and the non-fungibility of these tokens are actually doing is it's verifying the uniqueness of it and it cannot be copied. If you have the original, you can always verify it and go back to the blockchain to prove that this is the original. So in the case of the painting, you know, all the steps that you'd go through to verify that this is an original Picasso, for example, versus uh, someone who just photocopied it, uh, that's the steps that you do for these tokens. And now token, uh, simply put, a token is a thing, right? A thing that can be traded, it can be tangible, or in the case of some of these, it is non-tangible. But simply put, a token is just something that can be exchanged. It is a thing, right? So you're going to hear a lot about chains, and a chain 
uh, is short for a blockchain. So depending which blockchain you're interacting with, it, that is where the token itself, the NFT, is stored upon. So whether it is the 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 Wax blockchain, Ethereum, uh, Cardano, uh, Solano, it, it, there's so many blockchains coming out, and each of these uh, have different uh, usabilities, different user bases, and different. Uh, pros and cons. But when someone says, okay, what chain is it trading on or what chain is it going to be on? Uh, they mean, which blockchain is it going to be on? A wallet is, as it sounds, a wallet is where you're storing not only your crypto, which is your coins, your money, uh, such as Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litechain, whatever. But in the case of NFTs, you're also storing these NFTs, these non-fungible tokens in a wallet. So where do you have this stored digitally? It's in your wallet. And again, whether it's the uh, Anchor wallet, it could be the Wax wallet, it could be MetaMask, which is, you know, the majority of the Ethereum NFTs are going to be in MetaMask somewhere. Solana would be in uh, Phantom or one of the other ones. Tezos has their own wallet, quite a few, uh, which are hard to say because Hicket Nunk and all that stuff. For some reason, uh, Tezos just seems to have like these difficult words that uh, they name of these things, whether it be Latin or whatever it is. Even their wallets have unique names that are hard to say. So, but yeah, that is where the NFTs are stored. When you hear roadmap, well, what's the roadmap for this project is, well, what's the big plan? In the sense of a business, it would be what is the business plan? What are they going to do going forward? So when you hear people talk about what is the roadmap for this project, that's what they mean. How are they planning to build upon this? Is this just a one-off? They're releasing something? Or is this building towards a game? Will this be tradable? Is this going to uh, turn into a show? Uh, what is the goal for this? How will the sales be distributed to the community and such like that? Uh, charity all these different things will be outlined in a roadmap before a project launches or in the sense uh, after a project launches and they want to build on it and they they release things in iterations and in stages it will be released in the roadmap uh, when you hear the term drop now think back to like the 70s 80s 90s uh, for those of us that are like oh when's the album going to drop right when is it going to be released when is it going to come out and that term really has transferred over into nfts so when is the nft going to drop is when is it going to be released when is it coming out and we have these drop dates we have drop calendars and it's just really it brings me back to the 90s when we're talking about when's the, the latest and newest album going to come out when is it going to drop airdrop is when it is pushed out basically think of it as being a a push notification you know how your phone will push out notifications from whatever app it is well think of that but with nfts so let's say you are a holder of a, a previous nft that was released by a particular uh creator well they can airdrop it to all the holders of that nft so let's say i'm just going to use a simple example of a dunkin donuts coffee nft and everyone that bought one of those uh coffee beans they can push out a nft of a mug right so all the holders of the coffee now have a mug and that's just a silly example but that's what an airdrop is you're pushing it out so it's not someone who's actively going and uh signing up or purchasing and, and doing an extra step it's someone who already has something and they're just being airdropped it's going to be pushed out to them automatically now, Mint, uh, the best way to think of Mint when they're speaking about, oh, uh, the, the Mint of the NFT, 
is to think of a coin. When a coin is minted, it is pressed out, it is made. And that's what the word mint is really referring to. When is the N NFT, the, the mint of it? It is when it was produced, when it is created, when it's actually stamped out onto the blockchain. And in the sense of a low mint or a high mint, in the sense that the original one, the number one mint, usually carries the highest value because it was the first one made. So think of it this way. The the first dollar that came off of the the first uh, the, the plate would be a collector's item because that was the first one ever made. Or if you think of back to the Gutenberg Bibles, right? The Gutenberg press, the printing press, those first Bibles that were printed on the press because this was the first industrialized produced thing, it has a lot more value than all these Bibles that come after the fact because they weren't the originals. So that is just uh, j just a way to look at it. So some people say, oh, what's the mint number and collecting low mints and so forth. And the higher the mint, generally speaking, it has lower values because it's been copied that many more times. Gas is really referring to the fees on a particular blockchain. And of course, Ethereum is by far where the most transactions are uh, as far as dollar volume, not, not necessarily uh, quantity, but where the dollars are, it's on Ethereum. And gas refers to the fees that are associated with transacting on Ethereum. Now, these fees are to incentivize all these people because remember, the, the blockchain is not like a, a central corporation like, say, Amazon or something. There are people and computers and, and, and systems all over the world that's processing and updating this blockchain to, to incentivize them to keep processing all of these transactions around the world, they are given a percentage of the transaction. And that's what the gas is. So when you hear the term gas wars, it, it, it's very big when it comes to NFTs, because during peak releases, again, especially on Ethereum, the gas prices will shoot up. And reason being is because the more use that the network is, the more demand, the the fees go up to incentivize those that are processing all the transactions to uh, do one over the other, a higher reward is given to them. So think of it just as being like rush hour, right? If you take the train during commute, during rush hour, those tickets cost a lot more. And that's really what happens with a gas war. Let's say a very big release is coming out, a very big drop. And a lot of people are trying to do a lot of transactions. It's going to slow down the network. There's going to be a bottleneck. So basically, they raise the prices in order to uh, process these things. And it's just like a ticket fee, right? So during rush hours, those train tickets are going to be more, while gas wars is referring to trying to battle it out because each user is basically bidding what they're going to pay, and the highest bidder gets their transaction processed first. So you'll also hear a term, uh, play to earn, P2E, and that refers to a game that you'll play that you can actually earn real world money, real world income from playing, and it's not like just uh, digital tokens and points that stay within the game. You can actually convert them out to other crypto and US dollars or whatever fiat currency that you're operating under, and that's what play to earn, P2E. The opposite of that would be play for fun, P4F. You might see those abbreviations. This is a play to earn game or a play for fun game, meaning if it's play for fun, meaning you can't earn any real world dollars. It is just maybe a uh, a blockchain game that is for fun. There's no dollars to be earned from it or no crypto to be earned from it. One of one refers to uh, the piece the, that is minted, meaning it's one of a kind. Only one of that is minted. There will be no more. It's built into the contract how the thing is. So... 
even if someone, let's say, uh, decides to re-release it or do a second edition, it will never be the original. So that one of one only has one mint. It is the one edition of that one kind, one of one. And you'll see a lot of this in the generative art space. And when I say generative art, I mean a lot of the projects that you'll see, such as uh, the Bored Apes and the Crypto Punks and so many others, these are generative projects and they're one of one. Each of them is unique, all 10,000, 8,000, whatever it is, 14,000. Each piece has multiple layers and attributes that is uh, randomly generated through code, whether it be Python or whatever code is being used. So let's say uh, there are eight different attributes, such as glasses, hats, shirts, uh, color of the character, um, background, any special effects, things like that. Uh, each of those are put in as a layer. Now, based on the percentages that is put into the code, uh, like I said, whether it is Python or whatever code coding uh, language it is written in to make, okay, this is a 1% chance of getting this t-shirt. This is a 1% chance of getting that t-shirt or a 0.00001% chance of getting these glasses makes it a very rare one. And that is how uh, generative art projects are made. They could be hand-drawn, they could be computer-drawn, it, it doesn't really matter, but at the end of the day, the generative project, the code is going to randomize it so that each one that is generated is going to be unique with different rarity attributes. And shilling, now this is one of the words that I was hearing a lot and I didn't, I had no idea what that means, like uh, shill, shill, shill. Shill, simply put, is just selling, promoting, and all those different things. And if you look it up, really, it's it's an old word, which we, we really do not use anymore until this NFT space came up. But basically, a, a salesman that's just trying to, a snake oil salesman trying to sell the next product and push it on you, and that's what the word comes from. So when people say shilling a project or stop shilling, no shilling in this discord no shilling in this group there's too much shilling going on here it just means that they're self-promoting and trying to sell their project staking means that basically you are tying up those assets towards some kind of yield or reward so for example you might stake some tokens towards a project that lets you get into the governance meaning you that you get to have some input as to which direction the project goes or in the case of, say, Wax with uh, Our Planet, you can stake NFTs and earn a yield on it. You tie up those NFTs within the Our Planet uh, ecosystem, and then you get Ether in return, and you can use that Ether to uh, purchase things within the game, or you can convert that out into Wax and eventually into Ether, whatever it is. But basically, what that means is you're committing that up, you're tying that up for some kind of yield in some sense. Web 3.0 is just the general overview because now, you know, this is just uh, shifting just specifically from uh, NFTs to the whole Web 3.0 landscape. Web 3.0, uh, to understand what that is, is really the decentralized web. And that's the next phase that we're just tipping. We're into the tip of the iceberg right now and we're going into is uh, this whole Web 3.0. Web 3.0, Web 1 was, you know, just static web pages, you know, back in the 90s when a company would just say, oh, this is what our company is, this is what we do. And it was just a very boring, mostly text web space. And then Web 2.0, things start to get more visual and graphic. And that's when 
all these blogs start to come up with uh, a lot of pictures and images. And uh, it, instead of static web pages, it was a dynamic web page, which was changing a lot. And of course, during this era, this is when the YouTubes and the social medias and all these things come out because it is just static, constant, or excuse me, it is dynamic and constantly changing, which is opposed to the web one, which is very static. Well, web three now, is going to be a decentralized model of that instead of all the data and everything being stored on a huge uh, system such as or within a huge data bank such as what Facebook has or Amazon or uh, Netflix or any of these companies where all this information is being stored centrally we have the decentralization now of everything and that's where the NFTs the DeFi crypto all these different things are coming in falling under web 3 and we're seeing a lot of programs and things popping up into that but really, that's how it fits into the landscape of this whole NFT thing. And DeFi, as I just mentioned, decentralized finance. It's a word that's going to come up a lot as far as, you know, because a lot of these uh, communities, whether it be crypto, the NFTs, the DeFi communities, they intersect at some point because we have the, the currencies that we're, we're interacting with, wh whether it is the Ethereum or any of the other ones to buy these NFTs. So you're going to say, okay, where am I going to buy this? Well, decentralized finance is as opposed to going to the old school system of a central bank or a a big Bank of America or a Barclays Bank or whatever it is around the world, uh, now these decentralized financing uh, mechanisms allows you to interact peer-to-peer. -peer. You're able to uh, convert from one coin into the other or do these transactions by directly from peer to peer. So there is no central hub per se, and it is decentralizing. It is scattered across different nodes across the world where all these different computers set up all over the place are processing and verifying everything on the blockchain. Tokenomics is something that you're going to hear a, a lot, especially uh, more so in the crypto side, but definitely uh, with NFTs because a lot of these projects end up making their own tokens. And in the discords, you'll hear, well, what's the tokenomics for this project? And tokenomics is basically the economics of the token, meaning the number of tokens, how is it going to be produced, how is it going to uh, be awarded, how is it going to be destroyed or deflation, inflation, how are all those things being uh, managed, how is it being governed, and all those different things, uh, which in the old world, it would be a central bank making all of those decisions, but now it is the computers, the code, and the community that is uh, making that away from a central hub, a central, a central bank or authority. And a DAO is just a decentralized autonomous organization. So what that means is there is, again, no central model. And how, how these things are set up is a group of people can pool their crypto. It's really the crypto community that uh, invented this. Uh, but they pool their resources. They pool their coins. And it allows them to have a, a governance over something, whether it be a, a purchase that they're making or a project. And in the case of NFTs, a DAO can decide actually uh, direction of the project, the next stage added onto the roadmap. So uh, just recently, one of the uh, DAOs that just made some headlines was Constitutional DAO. Uh, one of the original copies of the Constitution, I believe it was 18 that were originally made back in the day when the Constitution was written and ratified, was uh, up for auction and Constitutional Dow pooled their money together of $42 million and they 
uh, as an organization were putting in bids to be able to get one of these copies. Unfortunately, it didn't win. The auction went up to $46 million. But when it comes to an NFT project and everything, the community, the the holders of, let's say, a board ape or a whatever community it is that is built around these NFTs can uh, then put their input into the direction of the project, which is very cool. And that is not something that could have really happened in the past where, you know, sure, you might have a vote casted, but because it is decentralized and is an autonomous organization, meaning that each of these people that are casting their votes, they have actual power and input into the direction of it. And it's not just someone rooting for uh, the direction of the project, but you're actually invested in making decisions in the project. And lastly, we have a DAP. A DAP is a decentralized application. All this infrastructure that it takes to run a blockchain and do all of this computing, it takes a lot of resources, a lot of coding. But with a DAP, because again, everything in Web 3.0 is moving towards a decentralized model, the tools that are already available on the blockchain are available. It's basically like an open source. In Web 2.0, we'd call that an API, which is allows connecting to Facebook or Twitter or one of the other ones to tie into their system or any other application for that matter. But with Web 3.0, the tools and programs and everything that is available within the blockchain can be opened up to the community. So these dApps, these applications, these marketplaces and these these games and everything can plug directly into it. And it's so it is a decentralized app. Whereas before you need the permission and the governance of Facebook to do these things and you're getting the data from Facebook, with a dApp, the data and the ownership of everything is more localized and not all concentrated and centralized within one company. Those are just uh, 23 of the words that are floating around a lot in the NFT space. And I, I really could have went with a lot more words. I just thought, you know, 23, Jordan, all that. Once I hit 23, I was like, okay, cool. I could stop right here. But those are the main ones. And then, of course, I dipped into some Web 3.0. But at the end of the day, uh, these are words that are going to be thrown around a lot. And, you know, when you're first coming into the space, trying to understand, okay, what does that stuff mean? It could be difficult, especially if you jump into a Twitter space or a clubhouse room or whatever it is, and these people are just throwing around all these acronyms and throwing out these words like, whoa, I am in way over my head. I, you know, I don't know what I stumbled into, but I need to be out. Right. So that's what this is uh, hopefully able to help you overcome that, because I know when I came into the space, I was like, what are all these words? And I was Googling things every second. So hopefully I saved you some time and you're able to uh, use this information. So until next time, later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.